Good morning, church. So good to see you. And I'm so, so excited today because, I mean, I'm generally excited to come to church, but especially because last week I was in quarantine over Easter. How could that be possible? But it was. And, you know, I had cakes baked and I never bake. And I had a Schwäbischer Hefezopf done which I never do. And if you don't know what it is, look it up. It's basically Easter bread, but it just sounds so much better when I say it that way. Anyway, I had so much food, so much cake, and I had to eat it all by myself. <laughs> um, well, there are worse things than that, but I'm so excited to be here again and be here with you. <clears throat> and I want to talk today about, well, the title of my message today is Water Changes Everything. <laughs> And if you, maybe this sounds familiar, because if you have been around in, in our church for a while, you might just ring a bell. If not, it will, if, if you're new, you recently joined, it will definitely ring a bell at some point. But basically, there's an organization called Charity Water. And um, I love their work. And, and what they do is, um, actually, as a church, we do partner with them. And that's why we talk a lot about them. And so... Their mission is to help bring clean and safe water to every person on the planet. Now, that's a big vision, a big, big mission. It's obviously going to take a whole lot of people. It's going to take actually generations. But I love, I love to dream that this could be possible. And I, I think it's amazing that we can actually do naturally and practically something about that. You know, they're saying water changes everything. That's kind of their slogan, right? Because... There's so much more connected to water than just to drink, right? Water actually to, you know, to, to provide clean water actually provides so much more like health and education and safety and income and especially for children and women. And so it is important in the natural to get serious about this issue. But as much as this is important in the physical, in the natural, I do believe it is important in the spiritual And that's what I would love to talk to you about today. Water changes everything, not just any water, but living water. <clears throat> and so I'm gonna, I would love to, to share a scripture, uh, but because it's quite a long passage, I'm not gonna read it all. I'm gonna start telling you the story and then um, we're gonna read some passages out of this. Okay, everyone good? <laughs> so lovely to see so many smiling faces. <laughs> So basically what happens, it's in John 4 and what happens, actually very interesting, it's a lot in it. We're not going to cover it all, but take time to read it at home because it's actually, you can spend the rest of the year on this scripture actually. Um, so Jesus is on the way from Judea to Galilee and it says in the Bible with his disciples and it says in the Bible he had to go through Samaria. But when you look at it geographically, it was actually not necessary to go through Samaria, Samaria, Samaria geographically, but he needed to go there because he actually had something to do there. And so what happens is they are tired from the journey and they come to a town or near a town. There is a well. Um, actually, that was the well of Jacob. And so the town is called Sikhar and they take a break there. And Jesus, for some reason, stays there on his own. He sends off the disciples. I don't know if he just needed a break from them or they needed a break from him. Or I don't know why they didn't split up. But anyway, all 12 disciples went off to the town to get food. And Jesus stayed at the well. And I think it was actually 
Jesus wanted it that way. Because what happens next is quite unusual. Thinking of the context that this is playing in, like when we think about this, maybe today it doesn't, you know, is it not a big deal? But at the time, that was a big deal what happens next because a woman on her own comes to the well. And it's not just any woman, it's a Samaritan woman. And so just to give a bit of context here, Jesus was a Jew and she was a Samaritan. And at the time, they weren't interfering with each other, even to a point where they wouldn't even use the same dishes to eat from or to drink from. So exactly, there was no... There was like, oh dear, what are we going to do now? Then she was a woman and he was a Jew. Sorry, he was a religious teacher, actually, a rabbi. And again, that is not what you do, um, being alone with a woman and talking to a woman. And so that was already a bit interesting. Um, and then she comes on her own in the middle of the day, in the heat of the day, which is, again, very unusual. And so what happens next is really interesting. Jesus actually talks to her. You know, he, he crossed every, he pushed back every cultural regulation that was there. And the thing is, he doesn't, he doesn't break the rules. He doesn't break the law. He actually fulfills it. But he was there. He had to come this way to meet with this woman. And this is the conversation that they're having. And we'll pick it up in verse 7. So when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? Jesus answered, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. So can you see how this is quite, there's quite some tension. There's quite some, wow, what's going on here? But Jesus actually had something to offer that only he can offer. But it's actually, he doesn't even just stop there. It gets more interesting. He actually pushes some buttons in her. And he doesn't do that to hurt her or to shame her or to do anything. But he actually, he wants to reveal who he is and what he's got for this woman. Someone who no one pays much attention to. Someone who people would cross the street for. Someone who has probably gone through a lot of trouble. But he wants to see her. He wants to meet with her because he's got something to give to her. And so he says, well, go. Great. I'll give you that water. Go get your family. Get your husband. And there we go. She says, well, I don't have one. And then he says, well, I actually know you have had five husbands and the one you're with is actually not your own. But again, he just said to reveal because what what happens to her then is that Oh, he knows something that he, he, why would he know this? 
So he must be a prophet. He must be someone else. And then the conversation continues. And again, you need to read it at home. But basically, he reveals himself, who he is, the Messiah to her. So then the story takes a completely different turn. Because he actually, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, has made a detour, went out of his way to meet with this woman. And that's actually something I would love to look into today. What is that living water? What is Jesus offering? Because whatever is going on in your life, wherever you're coming from, whatever has happened, Jesus is here today, gone out of His way to meet with you and to offer you something that no one else can offer you. Amen? So what is that living water? And what can you do in our life? My first point is this. This living water will quench your thirst. You know, imagine this. In the summer, it's getting warmer now. It's not quite that hot yet. But imagine in the summer and you go out and you go running or you run some errands, you go shopping or you, um, I don't know, we're just sitting on the lake sunbathing and it's just hot and you come home and exhausted and sweaty and someone gives you a fresh glass of water. Can you imagine that picture, how refreshing that is, how this, this water will quench your thirst, you know? And, you know, we also talked about last week, actually, about how there's so many essential things that we need in life, like water, um, like food, like shelter, like uh, sleep, community, uh, financial well-being, social well-being, essential things we need in our life. But is that all? Because even if we have all of that, sometimes we can still feel like the sense of lack in our life. And maybe it is actually lack. Maybe you are missing some of these essential, basic things in your life. And there is literally lack in your life. Or it could be completely the opposite side. You actually feel quite happy and satisfied and you have everything you need. You have just enough just enough to go through the week, just enough finances to what you need it for, you know, just enough friends to not be alone, just enough success in your business that it's actually going all good. And the thing is, there's nothing wrong with having things and doing well in life. In fact, that's actually what Jesus wants for us, you know. But I think we have to be careful because when this sense of lack and missing out or this sense of just enough gets more important than Jesus himself, it's actually gonna bring tension to our relationship with Jesus. And I think that's what he's saying here. That's what he's offering here. Is it everything and Jesus? Or is it Jesus is everything? There you go. (laughs) The thing is, um, you know, when we actually get to a place with Jesus where He is everything, He's given everything of Himself to us, for us. And if we get to a point and to a place with Jesus where we can trust Him to say, all of me is yours, that is going to change our lives forever. That embrace, that 
that knowing that he knows everything about me and yet he loves me and yet he goes after me and yet he will come back again he will never leave me nor forsake me he will always be on my side do you know that because if not that can actually change today so is is it everything and jesus or is it jesus is everything and i i like this picture of you know imagine so again in quarantine you've got a lot of time and by the time you've done the washing and the cleaning and the gardening and watched your favorite movies it's two days past and you still got like seven to go so what do you do you watch more stuff so i watched this masterclass um on interior design by a guy called Corey damon jenkins which he is amazing and he teaches people it's a masterclass he teaches people how to make your home your haven right and he talks about the lighting and he talks about the painting which by the way you should do not at the start because you need to know what kind of furniture you have and the colors and all of that to know what color you want on the wall anyway <laughs> see i did learn something anyway so he he's teaching about all of this and the, you know the, the furnishing and the kitchen and the paintings on the wall And sometimes I think we can actually really like it when Jesus' face is on the wall, when his picture is on the wall. It enhances our apartment. It enhances our life. I've got everything and Jesus. There you go. I'm good with Jesus. He's in my apartment. Or is it actually the person Jesus in your apartment, moving the things around, painting, changing the paint again on the wall, um, going through your stuff to sort out some things, talking back to you, talking to you, wanting to engage in a conversation like with that woman and the thing is she responded so what are we going to do is it going to be the picture on the wall that enhances a life or is it all of him and all of me if if jesus is everything and then everything else on top is a bonus can you imagine life like that Because it's not just that he says, I'm everything and that's it. And that should be it for us, you know. But he actually wants to bless us. He actually wants to enrich, enlarge our lives. And everything of that is a bonus. So even if I lose it, I still got everything because I've got Jesus. I think that's a wonderful place to actually live life. I know that it changed everything for me. And I'm not saying that I've got it always right. <laughs> But crossing over to this, okay, you know what, God? Just take it all then. Just talk to me then. What is he talking to me about? I don't know. Maybe tithing? Maybe forgiving someone? Do you know these conversations with Jesus? Well, but I didn't do anything wrong. Well, but she did that or he did that. Well, they've got that and I don't have that. I've been doing way more than these people, than them and they and Or is it just going to be, you know what? Everything, Jesus. Talk to me, I'll follow you. Because ultimately, that's really what's going to quench my thirst. And it's continuously. It's not just a sip, a sip of that living water every now and then or just once. But it's actually a continuous drawing from him, drinking from him, receiving from him. Amen? A second thing I believe that this living water can do in our life is to nourish and satisfy our soul and there's 
lots of things you can do to refresh your soul, to nourish your soul. Again, in quarantine, you kind of, you know, got to do something. So I was trying to do some exercises. I was trying to read. And, you know, some people brought flowers, some people brought food. And it's just so good for the soul, right? And that's important because it really is important. But again, let's not just stop at the natural. You know how Mark was talking about the natural and the spiritual. And we're actually spiritual beings. So if we just stop there, it's only part of it. But what we actually need to do is come to a place, find the satisfaction of our soul that comes again from this living water. And I want to read a scripture to you. I think that pictures that so beautifully. In Psalm 42, it says this, As the deer pants for streams of water. Now, I don't know if you've seen a deer panting for streams of water. But maybe think about again, running out in the heat and you coming home panting for cold water right? That satisfies you. So as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go to meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night. While people say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go to the house of God, understand the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Why, my soul, are you so downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. How good is that? Can you see that picture? Is that a place that you are at or you want to be? And again, good news is that can change today. It's good and important to look after our soul naturally, but it is just as important to look after our soul spiritually, right? And sometimes I think we need to tell our soul what to do, you know? He is all, ever ready, always available, flowing, living water from Him all the time. And sometimes I think we just need to tell our soul, need to tell our emotions, need to tell these voices in our head that tell us all sorts of things to say, no, my soul, you will praise the Lord. No, my soul, I will lift up the name of Jesus. No, my soul, we will sing to the God of heaven. And again, another Psalm in 103 is exactly showing us this. Praise the Lord, my soul, and all my inmost being. Praise His holy name. Tell your soul what to do. Tell your soul to draw from Him, to look to Him, to worship Him, because that's actually going to satisfy our soul. The woman, the Samaritan woman, was she in a good place? Well, I don't know. But the thing is, look at her story. She had five husbands and then she lived with someone who is not her own husband. And again, in that, in that time, I mean, you know, what would she have experienced? Maybe she felt lonely. Great chances that she probably would have been quite lonely. But Jesus saw her and he went out of his way. He had to go to Samaria. He had to tell this woman that no one sees, that no one talks well of, that no one wants around, that people are crossing the street for. But He's here today. He's coming for you. He's coming out of His way to meet with you, to offer you something that only He can offer in Jesus' name. So my third point is, what can this living water do in our lives? 
I believe He can turn into a spring of life to others around us, just like we read in the Scripture. Jesus actually says, you know what? It will become, it will welling, will well up in you, becoming a spring of life and it will actually bring life to others. Because what happens is this woman, once she received it, and that's the thing, we can't really force that. We can't just surrender. Because if we're just telling ourselves, okay, I'm going to be fired up now for Jesus. I'm going to go back and tell everyone about Jesus. You know, a well needs to be dug but a spring comes from within the soil or the rock or the mountains. It comes. And so by drawing again, by drawing from Jesus, by drawing from the living water, this, this spring will actually rise up in us and it will affect other people because she went back, told everyone about it, wasn't afraid anymore, wasn't thinking about what other people would think anymore, just had an encounter with the Savior of the world. It completely changed her life. And she had to go back to tell people. And you know what? They came. People came. And not just anybody. Samaritans came to meet a Jewish teacher. To hear, because he wasn't just a teacher. And he isn't just a teacher. It's not just, the Bible is not just a book of teachings. It's the living God. And He's here to encounter with you today. Amen. And this spring will well up and you watch what's going to happen when you go back into your neighborhood, when you go back into your job, when you go back into your family, when you go back into your kids or wherever you live or wherever you go. But is that, is that happening? Because if not, just draw from Him. Just draw from Him and it will start to well up. It's not about getting it right or getting it wrong. It's just about drawing from Him, receiving from Him and let Him do what only He can do in us. You know, but if, if, you, if you meet a new Christian, a person who for the first time met Jesus, they usually will not stop talking about Him because of what He's done in their life. Now, the challenge for us that have been Christians for a while is that still in us, right? Can we get that again by drawing from Him? Because it matters. Because otherwise we're actually withholding something from that Jesus wants to bring to people. And that's the thing. What happened is she went back, she told everyone, and people came, people got curious, people wanted to know, people wanted to meet Jesus. And they found salvation. I think that's so beautiful. And I think that's why we're here. We're not just here for ourselves. We're actually here to make a difference in the world. And as we come to a conclusion, just this question. What is Jesus offering with this living water? He's offering so much. And you know, the most important thing is He's offering Himself. And again, is He going to be, yes, Jesus, I want all of you. And you've got all of me. Or is he going to be an addition to our life? It's absolutely everyone's choice. But we can know for sure that when we receive him, all of him and all of me, that he will quench our thirst. He will satisfy our soul. And a spring will well up inside of us that will splash on everyone around us and refresh people around us.